Hello, Hokie softball fans, and welcome back to not just another episode, a new season of the Hokie Softball Podcast. So glad that everybody could join us. I'm your host, Evan Hughes. Pleased to be joined, as always, by the head coach of the Hokies, Coach Pete Demore, in his South office, repping his VT hat. Coach, it's great to see you. How are you? How's Anna? How's Baby Roe doing? We're rocking and rolling, Evan. Good to see you again. Uh, congrats on your job. Thank you. Um, we're, we're all thankful that you're, uh, you're sticking around Blacksburg for a little bit longer before you go on to bigger and better things. So thanks for continuing to do this. Um, we'll see how many people still want to hear me talk. Well, you put on Twitter a couple of months ago, about a month ago, when my job had been announced that you may need to find a new replacement for me, which we haven't gotten there yet. But I want to go over who you suggested because okay. yeah, Hokie Chip was on there, who I think would be an excellent host. Yep. You put Mac Osborne on there, but I think the intriguing option was Coach Gillis. <laughs> That's not intriguing at all. It was. Uh, <laughs> I just want to see if, uh, if if people were paying attention. That's kind of my like my curveball out there. So uh, yeah, if if Coach Gillis and I did a, a sit down, I, I don't know how that would go. Um, you know, my, Coach, my favorite part of that tweet was that I, I believe his name is Justin McLeod of yeah. Justin World of Softball. Does a great yeah. job covering the sport. He actually quoted it and said, you know who my vote is. And I'm pretty sure he was talking about Coach Gillis. So <laughs> I, I would be happy to give the reins over to Coach for one show. The two of you, I think it'd be incredible. Your, your ratings would, would crater. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, it's great to have you back. Another season, I believe this is season four of the Hokie Softball Podcast, which is exciting. Uh, if you're new to the show, thanks for tuning in. As always, we'll kind of talk about the team, what's going on with the squad. And then at the end, Coach, it's not story time with Uncle Pete. We have a new name for the segment. Uh-oh. Well, what is it? Uh, Dad? Well, <laughs> right. I, I guess now we have to say uh, story time with uh, Dad Demore. I mean. Yeah. You, you know, we, we, can, we can figure that one out because I'm technically still an uncle. Um, you know, I'm getting to the point now where I'm like uncle age for the girls. So I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, dad yet dad age for 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 college kids so um we'll figure that one out well let's go ahead and dive right into it coach uh, we're recording uh, in early september you're coming off of the summer months what was the summer like for you your assistants being able to get back out on the recruiting trail how were the last three months for you guys well um i got to give a lot of credit to doug and mike uh they really took the reins over uh, recruiting wise. Um, I just, it was too important for me to stay home this summer. So it wasn't a lack of uh, interest. It wasn't a lack of uh, anything really other than I wanted to stay home and see what being like a dad was like. And I did that. And um, I really trust my assistant coaches to go out and fly the flag for us. And uh, Mike and Doug certainly did that well. And um, you know, the, the list of, of the 23s or you know, the kids that were, we were interested now is as strong as it's ever been without me being on the road. And I just have to explain to those kids that um, by not seeing me this summer, there, there was no um, lack of interest. It was just, you know, I had, uh, I don't want to say priorities changed, but, um, you know, everybody says when you have a kid that, you know, things change in your life. And it certainly did this summer. Uh, by the end of the summer, I was ready to go out and uh, be seen and carry the flag. And I did a couple times, but, um, you know, it wasn't a typical recruiting year for me personally. 
um, you know, just the way things ended and having, having a son and, and all that kind of stuff. I just felt like it was important to be home. So um, Mike and Doug, like I said, they carried the torch for us and uh, we didn't lose, we didn't lose a step. Coach, I, we, we've talked about it on the show before, just the, the challenges of last year's freshmen coming in in the middle of a pandemic, having to adjust not only academically, but um, on the field as well. I'm curious for, for coach Mike Lewis, for him having to move in the middle of a pandemic from Minnesota to Blacksburg, the job he was able to do last year and on the recruiting trail, what can you say about what he's been able to do since he's joined your program? Yeah, he's just, uh, just all around. He just made us better. And uh, the first thing is, you know, his personality meshes with everybody and nobody has a bad thing to say about Mike. And so um, he never has off days. He's never too high, never too low. I mean, you know what you're getting out of him. So um, he came in, just made us better right away. And that's uh, on the field, off the field, recruiting, um, he's organized, uh, he's pleasant to talk to um, recruiting wise. Uh, if you're the recruiting coordinator, you need to talk to people and uh, be able to figure out different personalities. And, and, um, and he does that as well as uh, anybody I've seen. And he's had a busy summer, not only on the recruiting trail, but on the field as well. And I think that's so unique because not many division one softball coaches are still playing and coach Lewis is named first team all world by the international softball Congress. Uh, he hit 357 uh, on the biggest of stages this year. Give us the scouting report on Mike Lewis, the player. What can you say about him there? Just steady. I, I've watched a bunch of his games this summer, and um, he ha always has good at bats. He plays steady defense, plays hard, plays like like our kids do, you know. And and um, he's a good model for our players. But, but you said, you know, there aren't many men's fast pitch players in, in college softball now. You know, the game's kind of just getting to be a niche sport. But um, he plays at the highest level. So there's a lot of people that say they played. Um, I played, but I never played at that level. I never played at the level that Doug played. But so it's it's interesting and, and fun to watch those guys play at the highest level because you can say you played, but you know, the Timbuktu church league doesn't count, <laughs> you know? And so, um, but Mike, the ISC is the highest level in any softball, you know, male or female, it's the highest best level tournament in the world. And for him to be first team, all, all ISC is, is a big deal. So take me through for, for somebody who's a college softball fan, but doesn't know about men's fast pitch and that level. Take me through how someone gets to that level and what duties Coach Lewis has to that team throughout the year. Yeah, I think it's more, um, you know, it, there's no practices, obviously. So you're pretty much on your own to improve. You know, so he's in here hitting on his own and, and fielding off our machine. We have an automatic machine that throws ground balls and he's, he's fielding off that, um, staying in shape, you know, to play at that level. You have to put time in. Uh, it, it's, it's professional athletes without being paid, you know, essentially. So you're watching those games and, and you see, you know, the pitchers that are six, nine and, and they're in shape and they're throwing 80 miles an hour. If you just go out there and play, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to work. You know, that's one of the reasons why I stopped playing is I didn't have the time to put into it anymore, you know? And, and so um, you have to be dedicated. Um, there are some certain local leagues that you can get started in, but um, it's hard to get your foot in the door now uh, at a major level um, because there's just not many opportunities. 
So I know Mike, uh, he plays with Kegel Black Knights. I think they're the Black Knights still. Um, you know, he, he does a lot of the managerial things for them. Um, but there's a lot of traveling. There's a lot of uh, flying here and there. Probably five or six tournaments a year. And, um, but it all, it all is pointed towards the ISC at the end. And what's the competition like when he's playing? I mean, is he going against some of the best players? Yeah, they're, they're, they're the best players in the world, you know, and, and typically the, the best pitchers are foreign now. Um, you know, it's Canada, I would say Australia, New Zealand, and uh, some South America countries like Argentina, I think won the ISF a couple of years ago. So these guys throw, they throw hard. Um, you know, I, I think the highest pitch you're going to see uh, is probably 85 to 87 from 46 feet and they're pro hopping. So it's not from 46 feet. It's probably from 38 and the lights aren't good. Um, you know, <laughs> these guys are hitting these guys. It's, it's crazy to watch. You know, you, you see a 77 mile an hour rise ball and an 85 mile an hour drop and people are put in play. Like, what are you doing? It's just another world. And so um, to be able to watch that, you, you, if you watch it on, and it, they're on YouTube, a lot of the games, um, you watch it and you're like, man, these guys, the hitters are so good because the pitching is so good, the pitching's so good. And they're still putting it in play and scoring five, six runs. You know, it's almost like if, if you face Monica Abbott next year, she's throwing 73, like, gosh, how do you put them in? But we're scoring six runs off her. You know, it's like, it's crazy. It's just, uh, it's just a different level. The athleticism is as high as any professional sport that you see. And um, it's fun to watch. Well, big congratulations to coach Lewis on a great season uh, this summer. Uh, one of the most unique assistant coaches in all of college softball, I'm calling him, Coach Mike Lewis. And a uh, big congratulations to him, not only on the recruiting trail, but uh, what he was able to do this year. Coach, you just brought up Monica Abbott, and I wanted to get your thoughts for a moment because the Olympics just happened about a month ago. Softball was back. I'm curious, did you get a chance to watch Team USA? I did. Yeah, I watched them. Yeah, they, uh, they I, I just, if it, it was good to see softball back on the Olympic stage. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good to have the spotlight on the sport again. And, and I've always been one of one that softball in the Olympics is important. In my opinion, it shouldn't overshadow professional softball and the growth of that. You know, I, I think the AU, what they're doing is, is moving in the right direction, but for so long, I think we put our eggs in this in the Olympic basket, which draws importance every four years. So let's let's push it forward. Let's push forward the, the pro pro stuff more. That's my opinion. Um, not discounting the Olympics at all. I mean, I had one of my former players from Missouri played for Team Mexico, and she loved it. I loved watching her play, and um, you know, it's a great experience for her. And uh, she's not downplaying it. I just say hey, Olympics are over now. Let's let's concentrate on the, on the pro pro game. And you bring up a good point. I, I feel like you look at the ratings that this year's College World Series brought in for softball, and it's at an all-time high. And the new pro leagues, those are being streamed on the ESPN app, and it's easy to access. It, it just feels like there's a um, – there's, fans are so hungry for more softball. I feel like it's a great time for the pro leagues, better than ever maybe, to get the access they're getting. Right. I, I agree. Uh, I want to say that – College World Series, Women's College World Series, outdrew or was even even with the Baseball World Series. And, um, you know, talk about we talked about this in the head coaches meeting yesterday, the ACC head coaches meeting. Um, you know, it's it's are you classified as a revenue sport? I'm not sure that we are. Uh, we're not making any money, but we could bring money in. 
you know, and people are, people are watching people, uh, you know, are tuned in. And so it's not like, um, not when I started in 2008, you know, we were starting to get ESPN and that, those kind of things. And now it's, man, you got 48 linear broadcasts on the ACC network for softball. It's just, uh, the growth of the sport is, um, it's fun to watch and we just got to keep it going. You know what else is fun to watch? The growth of Virginia Tech fans of Virginia Tech softball. And that was on full display. Y'all's run to the Super Regionals. But the popping it challenge, Coach, we talked about it on the last podcast. But I just want to circle back to that because I have the bumper sticker on my car. I've seen many other people with the bumper stickers on their cars in Blacksburg. Just reflecting on that, I believe you guys were close to 20,000 the last time we did the show. Just the impact of that, and wh- what is the team reaping the benefits of now from the people who donated the Pop and the Challenge? And I just, uh, it's mind blowing to me. Um, and of course, we got to, we got to thank Hokey Chip. He's been uh, instrumental in, in uh, driving that Pop and a Challenge. Um, but yeah, it, it's it does a couple things. It just um, awareness of our program, and when you see a bumper sticker around around town, hey, that's a fan. And so they got one of one of those bumper stickers or magnets. You know, there's five other magnets. things. Yes, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. People know what we're talking about. But you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like the silent, silent majority where you see one bumper sticker or magnet. There's probably for one bumper, one magnet, there's probably five fans that don't have one. So I mean, the this the sport is popular in this town and uh, it's fun to see. But then, you know, obviously the monetary value has been uh, significant for us. We were able to get our kids more gear, um, sunglasses and uh, better shoes, lifting shoes, practice pants. We got three new pitching machines with automatic feeders. We've got training gloves. We have a lot of stuff. And I've always said this, um, people laugh at me. A thousand dollars for us goes a long way. <laughs> you know, it's not a thousand dollars in other sports is a meal uh, for half the team on a, on a road. For us, it goes, you know, a long, long way. So we're very appreciative of it. Our, our ladies are very appreciative of it. Um, you know, just just having fans around that, that care is, is a big deal. Coach, as we record this podcast, the Triumph Together campaign and initiative is going on. This this podcast will be released after that. But for those that are listening that want to get involved and help tech softball, what are some ways they can do that if they want to contribute? Yeah, I think you just go right to the Hokie Club and, and earmark it for softball. That's that's the biggest thing right now is, um, you know, it, it comes to us. It's not, you know, because you're writing the check out to Hokie Club. It doesn't get filtered to, to any other sport. If you market for us it, it goes to softball so that's the biggest thing right now is um you know you know if you're able to give us some money give us some money <laughs> you know we're we're appreciative of it I, it, it's five dollars it you know five dollars for us is just as important as a thousand so um you know we're, we're appreciative of, any, of, of anything we get well over the last couple of days i'm sure it's been exciting for you and your staff getting the team back together in blacksburg you know, there's a, there's a certain feel the first day of school, right? You see, you go on Facebook and you see everybody posting their first day of school pictures and that, that feel in the air. What's it like the first day with the team back for the coaching staff? Uh, well, my, for me, it's, it's uh, I just like seeing our players back. I like talking to them about how their summer went. I like, 
you know, seeing what kind of job they had or what their schedule looks like, just being able to interact with them again. And I try to do a better job of that in the summer, text them, you know, here and there, but it's not the same. And, and I don't, I want to give them their space uh, in the summertime to, you know, just be a kid. So um, it's good to see them back. Uh, we had our first meeting, I think a week from last Sunday. And so uh, we had it outside in the sun. I think uh, a few of them got sunburned, but that's the way it goes. But uh, we came back and we had a, a good team activity where, um, what, did I, what did I have? I, I don't like the whole, uh, my name is Pete and I'm a freshman and I'm, I play first base and I'm from uh, Timbuktu. Next, like it was more in depth than that. So uh, the freshmen had to say what they were anxious about um, they had to say one thing they were anxious about this year and, and one thing they were bringing to our team. And the returners had to say uh, one thing they wish they knew as a freshman and what our team is known for. So we had this, this big discussion and, and without even, I guess, consciously thinking this, our standards were, were told to the freshmen without really having to say anything. You know, so there's, you have a rule book. This is our standards. Well, it came from our players. This is what's important to us. And so we're not dictating it to them. The, the players are letting everybody know the newbies and the, and the transfers, what's, what's important to us. So it took a little bit longer than, uh, than the high, my, here's my name, position and all that, but it was worth it. So um, I think we got started on the, on the right foot with that. Coach, go back to June of 2018 when you were hired. And for any new coach, regardless of sport, I'm sure one of the first objectives is to create a culture. Right. When you think back to that and you hear the returners, a lot of which were freshmen and sophomores when you took over, talk about what they expect this program to be. How rewarding was that for you and your staff? No, it was awesome for me because, you know, any coach wants – as much autonomy as possible throughout their team, you know, and, and accountability and all that. And if it comes from the players, it's way more impactful than from a coach. So a coach can stand up there and preach what they want from their team, but the players have to buy into it. And so for them to say all of those things that in the back of my mind, I probably would have said was were important. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a big deal because it shows that, um, they bought in. And so uh, I don't say culture. I never say that word. It's you live, you live what you embody. And so um, it was just cool to see that because there were some really good answers from the returners, but there were some really good answers from the freshmen and, and then the transfers too. So we got a good mix this year. Can you uh, let us kind of peek behind the curtain real quick? What were some of the highlights and anything that was worthy of being mentioned? Oh, just, uh, you know, we pick things up when we're done with them. You know, uh, we treat everybody the same. Um, you know, we're accountable. We turn our uniforms in on time. And then the freshmen, you know, we, uh, we're eager to learn. We play hard. Uh, there was no silent but deadly from Jamie Bailey. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, an, there's an aura about our team that, you know, we're not loud or braggadocious. We just go out and play. And so um, all those things, they all, you know, they all encompass the same thing. You just play hard, blue collar. It's what our team is. And so uh, I think the message was conveyed properly by the returners. 
I'm curious, Coach, if you had to give a piece of advice to freshmen starting college, something you'd like to have known when you started college, what's your one piece of advice you would give it? Well, I mean, freshmen, they can get overwhelmed, you know, and, and I think I was as a freshman. I just, uh, you take it day by day, you know, and, and you try to do the best that you can on each particular day. And so if you look ahead too much, it can overwhelm you. You know, if, if a freshman, let's say Bree Peck, is already dreaming about um, her first at bat college, you know, it's not productive. <laughs> You're looking ahead. So it's, it's all, uh, let's, be, let's be driven by goals today that uh, incrementally, if you hit those goals, will make you better by the spring. So um, that, that's a big deal. I, I just, and, and I've learned that as, as my life goes on, it's just, uh, you don't look ahead because tomorrow's not guaranteed. So what can I do today to get better and, um, you know, quit freaking out about things. I'm ready to run through a brick wall here. <laughs> motivational talk. Right hey, there. I did. I did give a pretty good speech in something similar. And uh, I made a joke afterwards. I said, that's my Newt Rockney speech. And zero of the players even like batted an eye or a who's, who's Newt Rockney. So uh, you probably don't know either. Well, you no. probably you're a football guy. So I actually, uh, I, I'm not great with 80s movies, but yeah. – uh, that is uh, that's the classic Rocky standing right the new Rocky speech right that he gives that he that Ru Rudy goes in and yeah 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 I think it's Rudy or I, I don't know I, I just know that win one for the Gipper and all that stuff that was a Ronald Reagan movie in the 40s so um, we always said that and it's new Rocky so if you uh, if you have a speech and it's that's it's a good one it's it's new Rocky. So that I guess that's the, the other movie that's been talked about on Hoagie Softball Podcast, the Hall of Fame is Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. Yeah, which I'm, yeah. I'm sure are different movies, but we'll we'll talk about that when uh, when Christmas time comes around. <laughs> that's that's, good. I know that's a Christmas movie. Um, hey, Coach, I'm, I'm curious. So when you get the team back, what's the process like in kind of getting the team back into softball shape? Do you kind of build into that? What What's that process like? You got me going now, Evan. Um, so – we did physical screens on our players last week. Physical screens, um, hit on K-Vest. How your how's your body moving? And uh, we just found some deficiencies in the majority of the players, which is a good thing. I mean, we have good team. We got good athletes. We got good players. Um, and I told our players, you know, how do we get 5% better? Where, where are we going to get this from? Mm -hmm. So we did these screens, and they came back, and everybody's got deficiencies, and, and which is good. Like I said, I even – I mean, everybody's got them. But the next two weeks, um, we have our eight-hour weeks. So typically, we can have four hours of softball and four hours of strength and conditioning, which is eight hours total of, of a particular week. And so got to thinking about these, um, these screens and, you know – to say Cameron Fagan's got some, some issues going on that affect how she plays. So if we come out here, we do front toss and we do some ground balls and, you know, um, we're not fixing her body. The foundation of Cameron didn't get any better. And so I, I think it's really important these next two weeks and maybe even beyond that we, uh, we do these correctives and mobility exercises and, and strength conditioning and get a good baseline. So when we actually start doing softball related things, we're at a better spot. And so will it pay off? I don't know. Um, but I think 
from an injury prevention standpoint, I think it's going to pay off, uh, especially in the spring. Uh, we're fixing some things now. We're not kicking the can down the road, if that makes sense. So um, the first couple of weeks, it's it's been it's been uh, interesting to me because I've done the, I've done fall practice the same way since I've been a head coach. You know, here's some individuals and here's some, here's some drills we need to do and let's hit some home runs and let's field some. But is that really paying off in the long run? I we'll see. We'll see because um, I wasn't satisfied about how we moved uh, offensively last year. Um, you take Cam and you take Brownie out. We we hit probably 280 and it's not that's not good enough for us. So um, we could have done the same things and still hit 280 and had a pretty good year. But now let's just see if uh, let's see if this stuff will work and, and if we can move better. I love hearing about that, Coach. And thanks for going in depth about that, because I think that'll really in intrigue our listeners. I'm curious about this. How similar do you approach the fall or is it a little different considering the fact that you have so many returners, a, 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 a lot of veterans on this team? Do you kind of attack the fall differently or does it stay the same compared to previous years? No, uh, you look and you see uh, the returners and you project to see what the freshmen and the transfers can do. And then you look on the field and say, what do we need to, to hammer home? So I did that a little bit uh, prior to uh, the ladies coming back. You know, you look at the end of last year, and there are some things that I, I'd like to see different. Um, I think our infield defense needs to be more consistent. Uh, I think our hitting overall needs to be more consistent. And somebody behind Keely Rochard needs the softball to give us a chance to beat any team we play. And so um, those are the big picture things that I see. Uh, I think we can run. I think our outdoor defense is good. Um, you know, all those things, but those are the three that we hit home and it will probably hit those home harder in about a month or a month or a half from now. But I look and I see the more consistent hitting and the, the fielding. Well, uh, you know, Addie Green's another example. Her shoulder has been a little bit, you know, hit or miss. And as you look at your, look at her physical screen and there's a physical reason why her shoulder's like that. So we're going to go in and, and, and try to get her better fielding without fixing her shoulder, you're not doing any improvement, <laughs> you know, and it's hard for me to explain it, but it's, uh, I think the foundations of our bodies need to be better to improve our softball. And once the foundations are better, we'll slowly increment uh, more softball specific things. One of the things I've done this last week is uh, no bats in our indoor, no bats. I don't want to see you swinging. I don't want to see you. I don't want to even see them. And so some of these, uh, some of these ladies are, they work so hard and they're in such routines that it's hard for them to understand that, you know, if you put a bat in your hand, you revert back to how you've swung the last 15 years, your body just, Oh, it's a bat. This is what we're going to do it. So there's certain things we got to do to like break habits and you can't do that with the bat. So some of these, they come in here like can we swing tomorrow. No, you can't, <laughs> you know? So it's, uh, you, you got to trust that, uh, that what we're doing is going to work. And if it doesn't work, it's not going to make you worse. That's the thing. And, and, and I told a player last night, I'm not, I'm not doing this to make you fail. That's not what it is. You know, I, I'll never put a kid in a position to fail. That's, you know, a coach can never do that. So uh, just trust that what we're doing is, is at the very least going to make you move better and make you feel better. So um, kind of got on my soapbox there, Evan, but uh, it, it's important. And the more that 
the more I saw that uh, the screen last week, I was just like, man, we just, we just need to start moving a little bit better. Coach, that was one of my favorite two or three minutes in the history of Hokie softball. Wow. Hearing wow. that whole process. I mean, that's really interesting. I'm yeah, writing notes down about my golf swing and how bad it is. Right. I can just put the club away, watch film before I can go pick a club up again. And, and I'm very, very elementary in, in motor learning. You know, I, I, I took a class in college and, um, you know, everybody says if you're trying to change a motor pattern, I mean, it takes a while to do it. So if we're trying to change a swing that a kid's had for 15 years and we just say, hey, you just got to back tip and kick your leg up. It's, it's not that's not going to fix anything. So at least for us. So, um, you know, I just uh, I got to give props to Kelly Murphy and Kristen Mathis. Um, you know, we have we have allotted practice time to let strength and conditioning and the trainer, uh, the ATC, get their work in with their players. And uh, from what I'm hearing, the, the ladies are bought, bought in. It's only been day two or three, um, but they're already sore in places that they haven't been sore before. Um, some of the kids are already moving better. I can already see it. So um, I think it's gonna, at the very least, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna feel better. We're gonna hit we're gonna hit 175,000 home runs next year and, and hit 800. 8, I no, but but I mean improvement to me is, is if, if the kids feel better, they're out of the training room and they're, and they're putting themselves in a position to play optimally, that that'll be, be worth it. How much do you personally enjoy the fall compared to the spring in terms of, do you feel you get to do more coaching in the fall and, and helping develop players more so than the spring and the schedule that comes with it? Yeah, no question. There's way more uh, teaching involved in the fall than the spring. So in the fall is more, more, uh, it's instructional. We got the eight hour weeks, which this, this year we're, we're doing a lot of, um, correctives, like I said, but when the 20 hour weeks come, we got more time, you know? And so, um, I heard, a, I heard a coach a couple of years ago at the baseball convention say he doesn't do much teaching because the players that you bring in are already good. If you're recruiting a kid they're here for a reason so to have wholesale changes i don't think is is beneficial but you have to you have to tweak here and there as well because you know you got to you got to make kids better but um I, I, we really pride ourselves here on making kids better and you do that in fall you know and and, and the poster girl for it is keely you know and then see what she is now compared to when we got here i mean she's gotten better we we always joke uh, doug and i and, and mike uh, we developed a pitcher. We developed one. So you look at, uh, you know, some of these schools and, and how much development's going on. Keely's the poster girl. Now, um, you know, so some of these hitters that we've had and we've, we've made them better. So that's what we have to do here. Um, player development's a big deal. And, and, and it really, really happens in the fall. And the spring is more, uh, let's get kids ready to play. Let's compete. There's not a lot of changing that goes on in the spring. You just don't have time. 56 games in three months, you just don't have time to break kids down. So uh, they really have to, um, to buy in in the fall. And a big part of it is what happens from um, like Thanksgiving break to right after New Year's. Because you have like a month and a half. And if you don't have structure during that time, you go back and revert to where you were when you got here. So it's all for nothing. So all the correctives and all the weights and the strength that you gain can all be gone November, December, if you're not structured and, and you know, 
keeping on top of things. And it's hard because we can't really monitor any of that. You know, the NCAA says, you know, once the kids are gone for break, you can't, can't do anything to them. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what our, our year looks like. Well, I know there are a lot of Hokie softball fans who are fired up for the fall ball season. They come out to Tech Softball Park to see you guys compete. I know the team looks forward to that. And I also know you guys are doing something really unique and special. I think it's something that'll connect with so many young players across the state of Virginia, maybe outside the state of Virginia. Coach, talk to me a little bit about the decision to play one of your fall ball games in Salem and the opportunities that that can bring. Yeah, we um, we played. Obviously, we didn't play a big fall schedule last year. We didn't have any fall games, so we played um, a Friday night uh, doubleheader with uniforms on under the lights. It was an inner squad, and at, on the first game, I saw some panic out of the freshmen. So what's going on? Well, there's fans in the stands. <laughs> and so, well, uh, we're going to go to Clemson and there's going to be a thousand people there. So uh, <laughs> let's, let's get this out of the way quick. So um, I talked to um, USA softball's director of Virginia and uh, they have a travel tournament in Salem the weekend of the Notre Dame game. And so obviously we can't play during the Notre Dame. We can't play on any football Saturdays. So um there's a tournament going on on Friday and um, we're going to, we're going to play in conjunction with that tournament. So let's, I, I don't know the details yet, but it's going to be, uh, you know, their games end at six and we play at seven, a 10 inning game against Carson Newman. And my goal is for um, a couple of reasons, we play in front of a lot of fans and uh, number two, um, be off, off campus. So um, it's like a road game. And it's just, I think it's goodwill for Roanoke Salem. We've got a lot of fans there. Let's just bring the show to them. So um, we'll see. I, I, hopefully there's hundreds of people there. And, and the thing is, we, we can't really mingle. We can't talk to anybody because of recruiting uh, violations. Not violations, but uh, we just can't talk to people on a Friday. Um, so it's going to be in and out, but it'll be fun. I think it'll be a good atmosphere. Moyer Park is uh, one of the best places to play around here. And, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think that's so unique. And, I mean, think about – travel softball right i mean i mean i think the youngest division is 10u that you can start traveling yeah and to think about all the travel teams that might come those that are playing there that weekend i mean what an opportunity for uh those those young players to watch you guys compete i think that'll be really special and i think you guys will have a great turnout for that as well yeah i think so i and and it's really important for the younger players to see us you know and I'm not, I'm, we're not doing it to raise money. We're not doing it to, you know, it's just goodwill for the community and, um, you know, see where it goes. Well, again, I'm sure we'll put some more information out as that event comes closer. And I, I don't know if you have the schedule in front of you, coach, but any idea when the first fall ball game will be? Um, well, the Salem game, I think is October 8th or the 7th, whatever that Friday is. I think we play the following Tuesday, but I, I'm not for sure. Um, all of our games are going to be, uh, in October. Fantastic. There's a couple on Fridays. Uh, there's one on Sunday. There might be one on Tuesday. Um, the whole, I mean, obviously the whole idea is to be able to play and have fans here. So we're not going to start at two, you know, 2 PM. Um, but we won't start at, at six either. So somewhere between, you know, four and six and play 10 innings and, you know, people can get here and watch half of it. That's, uh, that's great.
Fantastic. I'm excited for fall ball season. And uh, again, that, that, and I, I believe where, if, if I remember correctly, that's uh, that stadium in Sam, that's a really nice travel park where I believe. Yeah. You play, yeah, so. yeah. And, and I actually played there one year, 2003. So Look at that, yeah. Well, it is that time of the podcast coach to transition. Okay. To what has been story time with uncle Pete, we're putting a question mark on the name for now. I think we're going to have to put in the works and see what we can do. But you still are Uncle Pete, technically, right? I am. I am technically, technically. So let's go ahead and transition in. For those that are new to the podcast, uh, this is where we have some fun uh, with Coach Demore, fun questions. And, again, this all started with your uh, your nephew, right? Your uncle. Uh, my niece. My niece, niece Callie. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so here we go. Let's transition in. First question I have for you, actually, I was thinking about this because I, I've been to travel tournaments before. I'm curious, do you have a favorite play, like favorite travel ball, not tournament, but, uh, facility like fields? Is there any, any tournament you're like, I like it because this, the, the, the facilities are awesome there. Facilities. Um, there's a lot of good ones. The one that sticks out, and it's not, uh, it's not, it's, there's a tournament, uh, the IDT in Boulder, Colorado. And so it's over 4th of July. And, and I don't know that it's this, you know, it's just, a, it's a good tournament. There's plenty of them. I mean, um, the fire, the sparklers going on in Aurora that weekend. But um, in Colorado, there's, there's this complex, it's called Stasio. And so Stasio is, um, you know, there's four fields and they're all around in a circle and um, you can walk around. And I just remember going there when I started to first recruit and everybody was there. It's just, uh, you know, you look over this way and there's a power five coach this way, power five, all the, all the games are, are upper tier and they're good games. And, um, you know, it always went over 4th of July. So um you see fireworks at night and it's just uh it was a cool experience i haven't been out there in a few years but um i always liked monastasio field coach you are back on twitter <laughs> what was the the decision that led to that i mean are, and are you happy to be back i just i just wanted to give the fans what they wanted more daily art that's what i wanted so um yeah it's just i took a break and uh I need to have some kind of presence there. So I'm not on as much uh, and following kids and all that stuff. I just, um, you know, some of it was, I'm tired of stalking and I got, I got to see what some of the recruits are saying. So um, yeah, that, that was it. But I, I had to give the fans what they, what they wanted. And that leads into the next point. I mean, I think you have made Virginia tech Twitter extremely happy. The daily art post, it was it was lacking during the season. I mean, I'm just, you're giving the people what they want. Hey, I'm just here to please Evan. I'm just, uh, I'm a people person. <laughs> uh, how is coach Gillis doing, by the way, do you have a favorite daily art post in the last <laughs> month or so? Anything to report? I think he's, uh, he's ignoring my daily art posts. So uh, he did catch me last week when we were screening. We were in the, in the uh, <laughs> we were in the, uh, in the training room and he caught me and what are you doing? And then I, I got him as he's walking into our daily bread. I don't think he knew I was there. He knew he didn't know when he was going there that I was going to be there. But um, I, I think he saw my car because I had the magnet on the bumper. And um, but I got him. It was almost like he was Sasquatch wa walking through Blacksburg. So, uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite one. 
So today, when we're as we're recording uh, this day, uh, ultimate frisbee to end practice with the team. What did you like from the competitive standpoint from your team? And are there any professional ultimate frisbeeers amongst your squad? Um, I don't know if there's anybody professional. I, I think Fetty Federico, Maddie Federico, was pretty good at it. Uh, she knew the rules. She explained them to the team. Um, but I like the competitiveness of all of it. And so we tell you know, our players that they're, win they're, they're playing for something. They, who competes? Who wants to go out and just, uh, just try to win? And so that's, uh, that's kind of the reason why I do those kind of things is, number one, it breaks up monotony. But number two, it, it shows you who's competitive. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, I think there was almost, almost a fight. Um, Brownie thought that Jamie checked her a little hard. And uh, I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do if they get in a fight here? Those two are like ultra competitors. We've got a bunch. We've got a bunch. But those two just, you know, stars aligned and they ran into each other. And I was like, uh oh, what's going to happen here? But they, you know, shook it off and kept playing. So uh, it's good to see. I mean, it's just, I, need, I just like put them in, in spots where uh, they compete in sports other than softball. Will there be another flag football uh, scrimmage this year? And will we get a uh, Coach Gillis in a Beamer esque picture as you put last year? Uh, you never know. Art Beamer. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Um, if, if enough fans want to see it, then I got to give the fans what they want. There you go. Uh, let's transition. I want to talk about Roe for a second here. Uh, what is baby Roe interested in right now? I mean, give us the update. What's it like having him around the last couple months? He is interested in food, food and sleep. Um, he's growing like a weed. I keep telling people that, um, he popped out. He was six pounds, four ounces and he's over 15 now. Uh, he's long. He's just, uh, it's really fun. He, he can almost laugh and smile on command now. So uh, in the mornings, mommy gets to sleep in and I take him out and uh, we laugh and joke and he likes my music right now. And, um, you know, it's just it's just fun to see him growing up. It's just goes by quick and everybody says it. it is four months and he's already, you know, nine, eight pounds heavier. It's just crazy. So um, hopefully he starts sleeping a little bit better. I've been sleeping on the couch. Mommy takes care of him at night. And um, but, yeah, he's been awesome. How much Eddie money has he been listening to? Uh, a little bit of Eddie, a little bit of Eddie, a little bit of uh, the old school country, a little bit of 80s stuff. He, he likes it all. Uh, you know, I, I, we might have talked about this on a previous podcast before, but I, I got to ask you because I know like Keely is great with kids. Uh -huh. Is Keely a better pitcher or is she better with babies? Because I know she's great with kids. Yeah, it's, it's funny. She, uh, what happened at the end of last year, we had our uh, end of the year meetings. And, and Roe was obviously, it was only like a month old, maybe not even. And uh, Anna had to go do something and she had to drop him off here. And so um, I put it, I asked uh, if anybody was around that could watch him while these meetings were going on. And Mackenzie Osborne says she could, and she's really good with kids too. And so in between meetings, I walked out there expecting to see Mac holding him and uh, Keely was there. You know, she just, <laughs> it's like a magnet. So uh, she's really good. I, She's telling me things that uh, that I don't know. So, um, haven't brought him around yet this fall. 
but uh, everybody's everybody's asking to see him, so he'll he'll make an appearance shortly. All right, final one for you, Coach. I just want to recognize that we have a new awesome SID running the show for softball, Bree Williams, who's on our podcast right now. Uh, what's it been like working with Bree? How excited are you to have her a part of the Hokie softball family? It's been great so far. Uh, you know, she's knowledgeable about softball, which is it's, it's great for us. You know, so um, I can bounce things off of her and she gets it from a softball perspective. Um, you know, she was in here filming us in, in the Frisbee this morning. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a, a good partnership for us. I'm, I'm glad she's here. Well, I just wanted to shout her out. Bree, we're happy you're here and uh, look forward to all the great softball content uh, for this year. And uh, I, I know we can't look ahead, Coach. You know me. I'm excited for February already, but we'll take it one day at a time. I'm going to get 5% better from the next time we do this podcast. And uh, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I have, and, and I won't tell you what I told the girls, but I, I have high expectations for this team, you know, and, and um, every year we've kind of exceeded um, what we're trying to do. And uh, so, yeah, we just got to keep getting better and, you know, the 5% here and there and uh, see where it rolls. Coach, season four, Hokie Softball Podcast underway. Thanks for your time as always. I'm looking forward to what this can bring. And um, I'm excited for that game in Salem. I think that's the next thing on the calendar. I want to try and get out there. So, yeah, come on out. Come thanks, on out. Thanks for your time. And uh, any closing uh, thoughts for Hokie Nation? Nope. Keep popping it. Keep popping it. There you go. For head coach Pete Demore, I'm Evan Hughes saying so long. Thanks so much for listening uh, to this episode of the Hokie Softball Podcast, and we hope you can join us for the next show. As always, be sure to follow at Hokie Softball on Twitter to stay up to date with everything going on with the program. For Coach Demore, I'm Evan Hughes. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great week, Hokies.